You're listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melanoski. The following is a faith conversation with Donna Frost, a singer-songwriter who has been an active performer for 50 years. She has released many albums and continues to write and perform, weaving gospel, folk, blues, and pop, earning the Mississippi Music Foundation Award for Best Americana Artist in 2023. Donna is also a Christian, raised in the Franklin Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Tennessee, and reared in the gospel scene of the Frost family. Donna's faith comes through her music and her life. She was willing to sit down with me via Zoom and tell her story. Story of love, music, loss, and remaining grounded in humility. Here is my faith conversation with Donna Frost. Donna, you come from a long family line of artists and singers, mm-hmm. uh, songwriters, and musicians. Do mm-hmm. you remember the first time you fell in love with music? Sure. I was a little girl. I think it was always in me because, uh, as you mentioned, the, my family, long line of singers, and my mom and dad were singing in a gospel group when they got married and when my mother was pregnant with me. And two weeks, I was, uh, she was singing two weeks before I was born. And two weeks after I was born, we went to Detroit, Michigan for them to perform some first road trip. And there was always music in my house, you know. So there was always like, I went to all the singings with my, my parents and I just always loved it. In fact, I toddle up on the stage when I was a little bitty kid saying, <laughs> Jesus loves me. So I would say, and of course, uh, you know, we were in church on Sundays and my grandma sang too and, and uh, you know, just hearing all my family and there was always music in the house. So it was just from, from as soon as, just as early as I can remember anything at all, it was there. It was in my heart and in my soul from, from, from the time I could re- process what was going on, you know, so. I know every household is different, but in the house that you grew up in, the music was music being created in the house as people are walking around? Are are you new lyrics being tried, new rhythm pieces, uh, or is it music from the radio that's playing in the background? Is it all the above? What did that look like growing up? All the above. There was always at our house, you know, of course, they were, mom and dad were singing, and uh, now they weren't writing back then. They were singing the the convention songs and stuff and and uh so but at the house they'd sing around the house you know and uh we had the radio going all the time record player we had a big stereo you know one of those big uh consoles yeah that they had back in the old days with the record player and the radio and it was a piece of furniture and it was really cool and we had that so i always listened to records always there were albums and uh, there were gospel albums, there were, you know, rock albums, there were country albums, there was every, we were listening to everything. My parents, you know, they, uh, we, we listened to everything. And then my brothers came along after me and, 
And it was there was always music in the house. We were always encouraged if we wanted to go that path, if we wanted to be into music, we had my parents full, complete blessing. But we weren't forced to do it. Nobody was forced to take music lessons. I wanted to. You know, it's like, I, I, I remember, and if I may share with you. Sure. Now, the first time an instrument came into our house, I was nine years old. And uh, I wanted, my Aunt Mary, had, uh, she was a piano player with my mom and dad. And then after the Frost brothers went on, my, all my, my aunt worked at RCA for Chet Atkins. And then she married Felton Jarvis, who was Elvis's producer. But Aunt Mary played piano at the Franklin Church where we went. And I wanted to play piano first. And, uh, but we couldn't afford, mom and dad worked, but we, a piano was kind of a big expense. Mm -hmm. So there were these ads on the back of, of comic books about sell Christmas cards, make money. Well, Donna got Christmas cards. <laughs> mom and dad took them to their jobs. Aunt Mary took them to RCA and sold to Chad Atkins, bought some of them. And I, I took them to around the neighborhood. I went to Kurt's Piano with money I made myself with the help of my family. With my money, 75 bucks, upright piano. Wow. And I, at nine, I had a piano in the house. But then I was like, you know, after the Beatles and all this stuff, and guitar, <laughs> guitar, guitar is calling me. So at 11, I got a guitar. And the piano went by the wayside. I ended up giving it away to some a friend of ours. But so I had a guitar. So then, and then my bro my kid brother, he picked up the drums. So I mean, we had music going in our house. And then by the time we were teenagers, we had bands. So my mom and dad's house was the rehearsal hall. That's has been <laughs> all these years. You know, the, the basement, my, my parents are very gracious. They've had every kind of music in the world in the basement they did. And, uh, so there was always music in the house. And then later, in later years, my dad was writing songs for his groups and for himself. I began writing when I was a teenager. Uh, so there's always been music created, performed. It's listened to. This house is full of music. If you don't like music, don't come over. because you know. So. <laughs> but it's what we're all about. It's our life. You know, it was just always there, always there, you know, and always encouraged. Do you still have your early writings as a teenager? Go back and look at them. Oh, somewhere. I have I have books. Of, I have I have kept all of my books that I have written in through the years. Mm -hmm. I have them. I have every single. I mean, like all my notebooks, and I've written over three hundred songs uh, since I've been writing. And uh, of course, what I wrote when I was young wasn't very good, and I'd never <laughs> break those out again. But uh, but uh, I, I've I've held on to all of them. Why I don't know. I mean, I just I just can't throw them out. It's like, well, this is my work, you know. And I have them on my computer. There may be a gem lying in wait there in a box be. somewhere. Something that was just so simple and yet powerful that mm -hmm. might stimulate, you know, a completion of a song. Could that, be. Yeah, that you wrote, you know. Many years ago, that would be kind of cool if you went back and you found something in there. You just never know. You never know it where Donna was. was back then. No. Well, here's here's one for you. I, the other day, back in 1998, there was uh, you, you don't know what's going to pop up on YouTube. This is crazy. The other day, uh, I got a notification from YouTube that said Donna Frost, a video just posted of you 
performing at the 12 Bar Club in London. Okay, from 2000, well, I had performed, uh, I did a little tour over in London back in December 2000, I, and I performed, and I didn't know this video existed. I'd never seen it until three weeks ago, and it, I was going through something really bad, which we'll get to, and I was really feeling down. It just, it just my heart was broken. I lost my dog, and mm -hmm. uh, he passed away, and and just at this time, here comes this little YouTube thing that pops up. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I go watch it. And I had red hair. And I was probably about, I was a lot younger and uh, a lot, uh, about 20, 30 pounds heavier, at least, than I am now. But uh, but it was cool. And it was a song that I had never put on an album. It was called What You Do To Me. And Richard Fleming and I wrote it years ago. It was a tip of the hat to Buddy Holly. And it never was on any album of mine. I never had it recorded on anything. And all of a sudden, TJ, out of nowhere, here comes this video of me in London, England, back in the year 2000. It was 2000, not 2020. I, 2000, it was 24 years ago. <laughs> From London, England, in the year 2000. So I was, hmm, how old was I then? I was in my 40s then. Okay, all right. Okay. So, uh, but wow, you know, and it, and I was like, I'd forgotten about that song and how good it was. And oh, wow. And here's this video of me performing in London, England with playing the song that you don't ever know. Well, see, that confirms there may be something lying in wait that you've already created. That's right. You just don't ever know. You know, it's just like God opens doors at some of the times that you just don't ever know. You always got to be. Paying attention, tuned in. He's always got a message, you know, or 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 send you something, or you know. When you were growing up, um, you know, your mom and dad worked, and mm -hmm. they sang, and they mm -hmm. performed, yeah, and they were active in the church. Yes. What was that like for you? You know, coming of age. I mean, how how did they have time for church? If you're performing on a Friday right. or Saturday or even a weeknight. How did they make time to, for church attendance? They just did because they were so committed to our church. And it was like my Uncle Felton always said, you know, whenever he'd come in off the road with Elvis, he was at church. You know, he said, hey, God takes care of me all week long. I'm come, you know, I, I need to give time here and come come serve. And uh but with my mom and dad, they're, they're multitaskers. My parents are. <laughs> I got it honest. My folks were multitaskers. Now, now when Dad and uh, his brothers went full time with the uh, with their male group, it was in the '60s. So Mama was working and raising us, and she drove us, me and my brothers, three different schools because hmm. uh, of the because stagger the age difference, you know. Down worked a job, took care of the house, took us to all of our activities, and was in church. Wow. You know, that was what we knew. And it was like we were always in church on Sunday. We went to Sunday school. We went to church. You know, it was we wanted to. It wasn't. It was just part of part of us. It was like, you know, our whole family My uh, at the church that we went to. My mom and dad, my brothers and I went. My grandparents were there. My aunts and uncles were there. I had cousins. I mean, it was like a lot of my family in that church. And so that was how and we go eat lunch after church. I mean, it was like we were all, that was family time, you know. 
Absolutely. Donna, talk about, for those who may not know, the church as a building, the church that you grew up in um, at the Franklin Church, and just kind of give that historical background, and then maybe we could talk about how that has influenced who you are today. Uh Um, But I I want you to tell the story, because you can tell it better than me, the history of the church. Well, it was... uh... But founded in eight. Let me get the. Can I get the book? Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it has a. Has there's a wonderful thing read. I don't want to mess anything up. So hold on. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't want to get my information wrong. Mm-hmm. My mother would not be happy with me. Mama died three years ago, and uh, I really miss her so much. And the reason the reason I'm asking you is because I believe the actual not only just the community of people that you mentioned the family and the friends, but I wonder if the church as an as an environment also mm-hmm. has influenced who you are today in mm-hmm. terms of fostering, writing, and performing. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. So this. Uh... The Franklin Church was built in 1876 on West Main Street, and uh, it was a uh, Hugh Cathcart Thompson, who was the architect of the Ryman Auditorium, also had signed our church. And uh, it it was, uh, it's, of course, it's downtown. Of course, there's a it, the, it's beautiful. A lot of the old architecture is remains. They have they the steeple got blown off back years and years and years ago, and they we did a fundraiser to put the brand new steeple. You can see it when you're coming into downtown Franklin with that. And uh, the acoustics in that church are just incredible. Uh, and we still have the pews that were there. Uh, used to in the old days, the man, the men sat on one side and the women on the other. That was crazy. <laughs> way back, way back, way back. And I barely remember that. But because, uh, but uh, of course, and now when my aunt worked at RCA, we had a lot of, uh, country music people that came to the church, uh, Skeeter Davis, who I was talking about earlier, and uh, Carl Perkins and uh, Jimmy Dean and different people like that would come to the church. And then uh, also the gospel groups and JKS and uh, the stamps and different uh, name people would come. And uh, when we were there, of course, and when my mother died three years ago, I'm not there anymore. Uh, It was we drove to Franklin for years from Hendersonville after we moved up here and because mm-hmm. mama wanted to keep going there. But uh, the music, because all the family sang and uh, it was all about the music there. But Southern gospel music was very much embraced in our church and still is. Uh, we had singing schools, the shape notes where you go learn how to read the shape notes, the singing schools. And uh, you had that in the church. Yes, we okay. did that. We had it well, ever, back years and years ago that happened in the summertime. Now, we weren't big enough to do vacation Bible school and stuff like that, but we'd have singing schools. And uh, I know back before I was born, they had to sing in schools. Like then my folks brought it back uh, a few times in later years. Hmm. And, uh, and I mean, a lot of times after church, we'd all be hanging around the piano and singing songs and just singing, just singing because we love to sing. It was always uh, uh, just... Uh, it was a small church. It was a loving church. Um, 
and uh you know no no nothing fancy folks you know and uh and it, it was just a, a, a small you know, small church full of believers that uh and we welcomed all who came in uh we were happy to have people there with us to visit we but our music was in our main focal point that was one of our main things and they still uh talk about that and they're uh when they talk about the church today they uh accent about the music and uh and that was really our strong point. Uh, we had our choir and uh, and the and all the music that we had. I mean, it was just, you know, it was a big part of who we were and are. And, uh, so for me, uh, just I think everything in my life has put me on this journey that I'm at now. The older I get, the more I, uh, with all the things I've gone through, we went through COVID. Uh, I went through losing my mother three years ago with COVID all during that. She died with COVID. Mm. And uh, it was back during the restrictions when you could not go visit them. Mm. We only had FaceTime. And uh, it was very brutal. And my mother and I were very close. And and then I was had illnesses. And then my father had a stroke last summer. Um, but he came back from it. And he's doing very well now. Uh, there's been a lot of things, but everything that's happened to me, uh, made me get closer in my faith to God and like to write more about that. And I think during COVID, especially I wanted to write songs to lift up people and encourage them because we were all going through a hard time. And it's just like, I wanted people to know, Hey, we got faith. We got hope. We got God. He's, he's got us. Don't worry about it. You know, just writing songs to lift people up and get them through those dark because that was a horrible period for all of us. And uh, so uh, I just think that everything, everything in my life and it's all the things that we've gone through and especially through COVID and, and beyond, uh, it's made me more, more aware. I'm trying to prepare for, and I'm 66. I know my time here is running out. Uh, I'll be gone sooner than later uh, unless he comes back for us and uh, before I die. But uh so uh, I'm really just trying to just get prepared, you know, and just that's what I want to sing about. And that's how I want to live. And it's and I don't know if I even if I got off track with you there or not. Just no, I don't know. Uh, we're doing fine. We're just having a conversation. OK, Donna, Good. when when do you feel closest to God? When I'm by myself in the mornings, uh, I have my devotional time when I wake up. I read, I've got my Bible and I've got my little books, my devotional books that I read. I have my prayer time uh, with God. The first thing in the morning before I do anything, that's my morning devotional here in the house. Uh, when I'm out walking, we live on five acres up here in Hendersonville. And so when I'm out walking, I feel close. When I'm traveling by myself, when I'm on the road, uh, I, I travel by myself and uh go out a lot when i'm in the car i talk to god a lot so uh there's there's all these different times and that but that's the times is when i'm in the word and uh when i'm reading uh uh when i'm singing uh, i feel it i feel when i sing my songs uh or when i'm just praising in a worship service or or in the choir whatever i'm doing i just when i'm singing for sure you know too yeah, I wanted to ask you, when you're writing songs and when you're performing, 
where does your mind go? Are you thinking about the lyrics? Are you thinking about the faces of the people that you're performing for? What goes through an artist's mind? Well, one thing. Your mind, I guess, specifically. The words and the music, of course. Uh, But I like to connect with people and audience. Mm-hmm. I always look around and I, and I look at people. I'm always making eye contact and I'm not just, I'm, and then there are certain people, if you see somebody really smiling or tearing up or whatever, uh, or the different ones, I just try to play, read the room mm-hmm. and play to, to everyone and just, you know, just to connect with them that I'm not just up there. Oh, I'm up here playing. I like to have that contact with people and, uh, that's what I love about being a, I call myself, and, and in my publicity, everybody says the traveling troubadour. That's what I am, because uh, I play by myself, mm-hmm. and I'm out traveling, and, I, and I, it's not a band. I, I mean, I work with a band here and there sometimes, but it's just me and my guitar and uh, most times. And so uh, that way, I love to do that, because then I can share the stories behind the song. Sometimes a lot of the places I perform, I'm able to share the story behind it Mm. or what inspired it. It's more intimate. It's more personal. Uh, So, but, so I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm thinking about, especially something new. When I have something I've just written, I will carry a cheat sheet with me and have it strategically hid, you know, (laughs) where I can see it because I don't want to mess up the words because Mm. the words are very important, you know, and, uh, so you don't want to mess in, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what I'm playing, but I'm also thinking about connecting with those faces, connecting with the people that are listening and just that they're listening and that they're, they're feeling what I'm saying, you know, it's very important. Is a song ever done? And I, I know we talked about this off mic. But I, I don't have the musical talent, so I always marvel at those that do. So I'm always intrigued by how music comes to be. So when you are preparing your songs and, and writing them, is it ever mm-hmm. done? Or is it always alive? Is it always taking shape? It's taking shape. And uh, some things get written quicker than others. Sometimes I'll have, because, you know, with me playing guitar so much, of course, I've got melodies in my head. Mm-hmm. But the words usually come first. And a lot of times it'll come from, it can come from a conversation. A lot of stuff that I write nowadays comes from something I read in the Bible or out of my daily devotionals. I go, hmm, mm-hmm. I need to write that, you know. Or or a lot of my songs are based on a scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though they might not be full-blown gospel songs, if you go listen to uh my my cds especially over the last few years you're going to hear some scripture in there you might not you know because it's in there and it, or or my what i my interpretation but uh so i'll write and what i do is i'll get my guitar out i'll get my book out and i'll just start writing mm-hmm. the words and then i have the melody i get the guitar out and i'll have rough drafts and i'll you know once i think it's finally done i'll make a little demo on my phone and uh, then I'll commit the words on the computer, register it with the, the performing rights organizations and all that, <laughs> do my homework, have everything done. And so it's a progress. It's a it's a step by step, you know, okay. but it's great to, when you have a book. And that's why these journals that I have, 
you know, you take a plain white page with nothing on it, and all of a sudden, within a few minutes, a few hours, a day or two, boom, mm. you have a song. On average, on average, how long does it take you to create a song? Depends. You know, sometimes I'll have it knocked out within a couple of hours. Wow. Other times uh, it might be in a two or three part situation, like where I'll write most of it and just kind of step away from it mm -hmm. and then just come back because I might be getting hung up somewhere like, oh, what do I do on a, a bridge or what do I do here? And I'll come back and come back to it. So it just depends. Every song has a different uh, process, but they all, but they all come out, you know. And I said, you know, I think, and I do believe, I know you'll hear a lot of songwriters say that God gave them the songs, and I believe that because I know there's some that I've written that definitely God gave them to me, you know, for sure. Absolutely. How do you know that? Is it because they come easy or is it the content? Is it the, the meaning behind it? The meaning behind it. The meaning behind it. Or it's just like there's a message that I need to to deliver, you know. And uh, when I went through, like I said, with the COVID, uh, writing the songs for that, well, then when my mom was so sick and passed away, I've, I've written quite a few songs about going through that. A lot of people, especially, you know, we start, the older we get, we start losing a lot more folks, family, and uh, so many people end up lost their moms and dads, and uh, it's just part of the life life circle, and uh, so hopefully a lot of the songs that I wrote during that period help people who are grieving. In fact, I know people that have told me that, you know, that song you wrote about your mother got me through, you know, and that's the, when people tell you that about what you've written, that is, that's worth it, worth it all. I mean, that's better than any award or million sales or whatever. When somebody tells you how your song touched them mm -hmm. and what it meant to them with what they're going through, that's the best, that's as good as it gets, you know, to me. So the feedback from the listener or the audience, whether you're yes. performing or just conversations afterward, that interaction, uh -huh. that relational aspect yes is, is really important very important very we, important we were talking uh before we got started about some of your musical influences i wanted to ask you about the people in your life that have helped foster and nurture your christian faith and you know who are they and how do they help you along on your journey well, of course, you know, I, I, with my family, but I came from uh, my my mother, number one, Mama. God rest her soul. She was the best. And Mama was would come to hear me play, uh, not every time, but she'd come a lot. I mean, because I play out a lot, but she, she'd mm -hmm. come. Whenever I'd write something, I, she was the first person I'd play it for. I'd go, Mama, I got a song, and she'd. Drop whatever she's doing. She'd want to hear it. She's the first person I'd play for. Wow. Every time I went in the studio, guess who was the first person to hear what I brought home when I recorded? Mama. Mm -hmm. You know, she uh, she encouraged me and was believed in me and was in my corner all the way. She was a beautiful Christian woman who, in her own, her own ministry, besides 
you know, when her singing and all that in her younger years, and she always sang in church afterwards. But my mother had a card ministry, but you would not believe. She sent cards to people everywhere. I don't know how much she spent, but Hallmark and the post office made a lot of money off my mom because <laughs> she was cards, cards. And do you know how many people have told me one day we were honoring my mama at the Franklin Church, and I was speaking about her, and I said, how many of you got a card from my mother out in the crowd? Every hand went up. Mm. And there was a lot of people in there that day. Every single hand went up. <laughs> and I, we mentioned again when she passed away, you know, and uh, so many people when she was living, but also after she died, you know, your mother's cards. I still have the cards your mama sent me, what they meant to me. I still have all the cards she's given me through the years. And I'll just pick them up and read them sometimes, just grab one. And I have her everywhere. I mean, she, uh, so for biggest influence, my mother, my mother, my mother, for sure. And uh, out of the professional side of things, I talked about Skeeter Davis, and I really got to talk about her. And because uh, Skeeter was a very devout Christian, uh, she uh, and, and she let it be known. She never tried to hide her face. She wasn't a gospel artist full-blown, but she always sang gospel on her show. She was always witnessing, always sharing her faith everywhere. And uh, so I've got to share this story about Skeeter because this is very important. All right. So when I was a little girl, when The End of the World was a big hit record, and uh, Skeeter and my Aunt Mary were big friends, and Skeeter spent a lot of time with my family. she came to the Franklin Church sometimes to our Christmas programs or for different things. But Skeeter come to Franklin Cumberland Presbyterian Church a lot of times through the years. And uh, so I would sing along with her records on that big piece of the stereo I was telling you about. I sit in the living room at my mom and dad's house with the records. Yeah. My mom would put my hair up in the little Skeeter Davis curls, you know, and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and I'd say, Skeeter Davis, when I grow up, I'm going to sing with you. Now, let's fast forward from 1963 to 1996. Skeeter Davis gets diagnosed with the bone cancer that would take her away from us in 2004. I get a phone call from her one day, and we'd stayed friends and in touch all through the years. She called me up She when she got diagnosed with cancer. She goes, Donna, it's time for us to go do this. Mm-hmm. So it's time for us to go sing together. I went with her. to. I said, where are we going? And she goes, St. Lucia. I said, when are we leaving? (laughs) We went to St. Lucia. We went to Barbados. I went with her around America. I got to do the Grand Ole Opry with her a bunch of times. And my mother tape recorded every performance. And uh, I have them all stacked because that's my mama taped off the radio. And uh, but Skeeter and I, we we sang together. She had me open her shows sometimes. she come to my my CD release party, my very first album I did in 98. Skeeter Davis came and sat on the front row with my family, tried to get her up on stage to sing with us. She goes, no, this is your night. Hmm. She goes, this is for you, you know. Well, even from beyond the grave, Skeeter was helping me now because after she died, at her, fun- her funeral was at the Ryman Auditorium, and I was a pallbearer, so right before... The funeral started. Jeannie Seeley and Jeannie Pruitt came and got me, and they're going, you're coming with us. And I'm like, the funeral's starting, and I'm a pallbearer. I got to stay here. No, you're coming with us. Well, what's going on? They said, Skeeter, 
chose you in life to sing with her. And on this day, Skeeter had put in her funeral arrangements that I was to sing with the grand ladies of the Grand Ole Opry. So I was up there, Vince Gill and Ricky Skaggs and the grand ladies. Here I am up there singing with them at Skeeter Davis's funeral. She had requested that. Wow. And you, and you didn't know until that moment. No, I had no idea she was going to do that. They come and got me. I'm like, what? And they took me back there. And uh, all the, there was like uh, Amy Grant was there because Vince, you know, mm. Lori Morgan, Martina McBride, Connie Smith, Jean Shepard, all the Lori Morgan, everybody. Mm. And the Jean, the two genies said, this is Donna Frost, Skeeter's uh, singer and friend. She's going to be one of us today. And TJ, they all gathered around me and put their arms around me. These women all just, I was enveloped with this love and I was just in tears with that. Well, then 2013, this was just nine years after Skeeter died, I get an email, a call from the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. They're inducting Skeeter and they've invited me to come perform at the induction. So I go to Kentucky with one of uh, mine and Skeeter's friend, Linda Stegall. We went up to Lexington, Kentucky. And here I am on a show with the Kentucky Headhunters, Exile, Jackie DeShannon, Steve Warner, Sam Bush, and me. And wow. I'm like, you know, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what? I wore one of Skeeter's jackets and I sang Into the World. We have the video up on YouTube. And it was such a great honor to be able to represent her posthumously at this induction so that that whole thing was skeeter just uh and i'll tell you another thing about her too when i had another cd release party for my second album i had done a two two-part thing at borders bookstore and the first night she had sent flowers to me but she couldn't stay she goes i'm coming back the next night and she came and she says, now, don't tell anybody. He said, they were trying to get me to come sing at the Opry. And George Hamilton IV was going to come pick me up and take me. And I told him I didn't feel good because I wanted to come support you. And I'm like, that, this meant so much to me. You know, she was that kind of, she was, I have tons of notes from Skeeter too. Cards that she wrote me through the years and notes from her. But Skeeter's notes and my mother's notes. Oh, boy, I got so much in those those that uh, they're, they're still with me from beyond, you know, from heaven. So these these two women, uh, among other people as well, have mm -hmm. helped shape your faith and how yes. you interact with other individuals, Definitely. even to your performances. Yes, absolutely. You know, something I learned, and I'll tell you a lesson I learned from my Uncle Felton Jarvis. He worked with the biggest star in the world with Elvis, you know, Uncle Felton. He, uh, Mary, Aunt Mary married him. They had about 10 years and he died awful young. He was only 46. Mm. Uh, he had a stroke and died right when he finished up a posthumous project on Elvis. But my uncle was very humble and very down to earth. And, you know, I said, you know, if Felton Jarvis works with the biggest star in the world and is hanging out with Elvis and all, and he's humble and down to earth, lesson be humble and down to earth you know skeeter was that way skeeter was when she'd be out performing she would go talk to everybody she remembered everybody's names everywhere 
she was always taking time to talk to people about themselves, not just, you know, wanting all about me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. And my mother was that way too. My mother's very, you know, uh, so the genuine interest in others, you know, to, and, and, uh, caring for other people and letting them know that you're not phony, you know, just being real and, and, and caring for other people, you know. It's interesting you brought that up because I was going to ask you, I mean, you, you have accolades, you have awards, you have multiple albums underneath your belt. How does, how does your faith speak to the humility? Because I would think that it would potentially put an artist in a place where the world surrounds uh, you and, right. and then, of course, the people that are around you, in, in mm-hmm. theory, okay, I'm not an artist, so I don't know. This is my right. imagination. You know, often would be tempted to tell you what you want to hear. And it's hard mm-hmm. to build a relationship with other human beings yeah. in, in those cases. So uh, I guess You know, I, just keeping it real. Because I, 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 I remember what I read in the Bible about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians and being humble and not getting caught up in ourselves and things of this world. Mm-hmm. And I am reminded of that daily when I read, when I'm in that, that time in the mornings and uh, just, uh, I don't get caught up in things that I, when I was younger, I mean, my life has changed so much. You know, I played rock and roll for years back in the eighties and stuff. And I want, you know, those, the past is the past, and praise God, I'm free from all that. But, uh, but you know, it's uh, the older I get, the closer I am in my walk, and, and I just, I, I conduct, I read, I just remember the things that we're told in the scripture, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as we're out here with everybody else, hmm. loving our brothers and sisters, doing stuff to make the world a better place, doing things to help other people and lift them up, and uh. And I'm not, I don't care about all that other stuff. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't it's not, I, I'm very thrilled with the awards I've received. I'm very thrilled with the things that have happened for me. I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful. But I, 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 I don't get, as I get older, I want to be remembered for what I did to help others more than how I helped myself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Uh, it's not all about me. Skeeter always said that. She said, it's not all about me. It's about my father's business. Mm. Yeah. And that's what Skeeter said when she was out. She she said that all the time. She goes, it's not about, it's not all about me. It's about my father's business. And uh, the older I get and the longer I'm out here in the, and of course I told you earlier, you know, I'm involved in a lot of different organizations with, uh, I do, uh, with Room in the Inn, I volunteer with my music over there with the homeless. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I've been with Music for Seniors for seven years now. I lead a senior group. I teach ukulele at First Baptist Church for uh, 55s and overs. And I've got a group of 15 people. We go out and play. And uh, I take them out and we we have a lot of fun. I do a lot of work with the animals at the Humane Society of Sumner County. I'm a big adv- advocate for adopting animals and uh so I think I like to use my music as a platform to uh, for these causes that I'm so dedicated to. So that's how I look at it now. My music is a platform to do good work. And uh, oh, I got to tell you, I had uh, 
talk about people that are doing good work, I've got to mention this church that uh, got hit, one of our Cumberland Presbyterian churches that got uh, hit in the tornado in Hendersonville, uh, St. Lu- Luke, Cumberland mm-hmm. Presbyterian. I was there Sunday. I was invited to come over and be a part of uh, They had a celebration for the Cumberland Presbyterian faith on Sunday, February 4th. That was the anniversary of a uh, our faith being founded many, 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 many years ago and right. uh, in Dixon. So they had uh, my friend Richard Trest. He invited me to come and he and I played music at, before the service and uh, for the during the hospitality time. And uh, that church, they they are uh, what beautiful people they are over there. And uh, I definitely plan to go back over there some more and spend some time with them. And uh, I really enjoyed being over there. But, you know, they were doing that work with the homeless, the laundry, uh, where they were doing the homeless laundry and then Richard would cook for them. Yeah, it was called uh, the laundry aspect is uh, Sacred Sparks Ministry. Yeah. And then St. Luke had appliances for individuals to wash their clothing and then pick up a meal as well. Right, because Richard had cooked for him. Well, when the tornado came, that facility where they did all that got blown away. Mm. And I mean, when Richard took uh, my friend Lois Hess and I back there. We went out because it didn't harm the sanctuary at all. The sanctuary was unharmed. But when you walk through the double doors out where the other, the, and, and, and to see all the walls blown out and all the destruction there, oh boy. I mean, they, I mean, uh, but but they will come back from it, you know. But I, I was just thoroughly, that was, uh, I played an event over there for them back last summer, a songwriter uh, thing that Richard does from time to time. They'll do a potluck, and then he'll bring in a few songwriters like myself and himself, and we'll play, and we have a time of fellowship. But I really want to give a shout-out to St. Luke. Uh, I, I just I, I just love those folks. They were so, so very kind, and, uh, and I just... I hope they. I know they'll come back from all this. God's taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Well, Donna, you have uh, you've had the opportunity to travel the world yes. and meet new people, perform, create, um, meet other Christians, visit and worship in other churches. Yes. From your perspective, what makes the Cumberland Presbyterian Church special? and unique. I think the main thing that we always said that some churches don't do, the main thing, whosoever will is welcome. Hmm. Whosoever will may come. Just like when we do communion, you know, it's like anyone can take it. Some churches, you have to be a member. They don't, you know, there these rules and regulations. Uh, Cumberland Presbyterian is just, how do I, how do I put it? Just the, um, we, we love on each other and we're small. It's a smaller congregations and, um, we, you know, our, our, give me a minute. Yeah. There's no hiding as a stranger in a, in a Cumberland Presbyterian church. No, not at all. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. You're appreciated. People love you. And, uh, and, and with it being smaller, I think there are very some big Cumberland churches. I, I used to be a member at Tusculum a few years ago. I was at Tusculum back when Brother Ronnie Pittenger was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I loved that church. It was a bigger church, but a lot of the Cumberland churches are small. Mm -hmm. So you don't know, yeah, you can't hide in. Everybody knows everybody. I think that's the the cool part about the 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 sweet part about it. Everybody's welcome. Uh it's just very informal and it's uh and it's just a beautiful family of believers, you know, worshiping worshiping God and 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 uh singing praises and singing our songs and uh a lot of the churches are uh, they still stick to the old school music, you know, which I think uh, I think sometimes the hymns get lost uh, with uh, bigger churches and uh, the hymns get lost because we're doing these praise songs. And that's all well and good. I like those, but I love the hymns and you can't beat the the old songs, the old songs that, that they tell stories. And I don't think, and sometimes people miss the whole song when they're singing them in the churches, sing verse one and, and last verse. No, you need to sing the whole song to get the gist of what it's all about, you know. <laughs> and uh, But it's good to see the old songs are still prevalent in the Cumberland ministry and in, in the churches, Cumberland churches. Uh, and... Uh, it's it's just a a great denomination, you know, and it's not uh, thinking that we're the only ones here, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> we're not. No. They, you know, that you know some some denominations think they're the only ones, you know that 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 if you don't believe like they do, you're going to hell, and I mean that's not true. That's not true. When in fact, and I was reading today in um, Acts. 11 is the first time that Christi- the disciples were called Christians. That was the first time the word Christianity came in. So we're all Christians, you know, no matter what the denominations. I mean, I think when Jesus uh, years ago wasn't worried about, are you a Presbyterian or Baptist or whatever? And I know we broke off from the Cumberland Presbyterians, broke off from the, the Presbyterian because of the Great Awakening and the uh, revival and the uh, the days of Pentecost and, and uh, well, I would have loved to have been around back then. <laughs> you How know, come? How just come? experience to experience it. And Dixon and that church, I would have loved to experience what they were, what happened there mm. with all the days of praying. And uh, they were talking about the uh, how the uh, the the worshiping went on for days because you didn't know when a preacher was coming through again because they didn't believe in uh, the Presbyterian church wanted college educated preachers from the North to be their pastors and Cumberland's like, Hey, you know, <laughs> whosoever will, you know, can preach. We want a preacher. We're not worried about all that, you know, and the, and you got these circuit riding preachers and I'm, boy, I would have loved to have been around back then and experienced that, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe, you know, I would have loved to, I would have loved to see what happened, but you know, um, Maybe we'll, we're going to see a great revival someday. We're going to see we're going to see uh, the second coming one day, and I think it's we're going to see it in our lifetime. I really do. I believe it. Looking at your music and the opportunities to meet all these different people, we haven't used this word in, in our conversation yet. But do you see your music? as a ministry and if you do in what way yes 
I do. I do in a way. I mean, I don't think of it as a ministry like uh, send me hundreds of dollars and I'll send you a prayer right. call. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, my bad. But I, I, I know like in gospel world, people get out their ministries and they get all the... I'm a different kind of ministry, you know, and I think uh, my songs are to lift the spirits and and uh, give hope to the hopeless. And there's a song that I wrote that's on uh, my album, The Quarantine Sessions, Volume 2. It's called The Love That Lives In Me, and I call it my daily prayer. And it says, let me be a light in the darkness, a silver lining inside of a cloud. Let me bring hope to the hopeless for as long as I'm allowed. Let me grow, have strength when my body's weary. Let me be bold even when I'm meek. But most of all, let others see the love that lives in me. Mm. That's the chorus. That's my daily prayer. That's what I think that my music, what I'm supposed to do. You know, that's my my work. Oh, cool. I haven't thought of music in that way. I, You know, I guess I, I would think of music as in as in events from the past, which do inform, I would imagine, your your creation. Mm-hmm. But yours is almost an anthem, a a not a place to arrive, but the path to get there. Right. That's that's pretty amazing, Donna. Of course Thank music you. is that way. Why wouldn't it be? But I don't know. I guess I've never really <laughs> I hadn't thought of it in that that yeah. way before. That's that's what I think. You know, it's a and it really is, and it's just like when I play, and I play in all kinds of, I play in all denominations, churches. I visit every every kind, every denomination. There's, if you want me to come sing for you, I'm coming. You got me. I, I'll be there. You know, and because uh, I'm wide open for that, you know, too. And uh, so, and I know one thing Matthew's doing. We've run, we're running an ad in the magazine next month. I'm really wanting to visit. After the, the after they did the story about me in the magazine and the cover and the stories, and then I saw the churches, I'm like, oh, how wonderful it would be if I could just go sing and visit all these Cumberland Presbyterian churches. This would be so great. So I'm hoping, you know, that uh, we'll get some response because I really do. I want to come visit and, and, and share my music and, and just come visit all these churches and I don't care how far away it is. I'll go wherever, you know, I mean, have guitar, we'll travel, you know. All right. and, so uh, let, let's talk about that. So this is an open invitation for those who are listening, um, that Donna would love to come and play for your church, your group. Yes. Uh, Donna, where, let's start here first. Where can people find your music? Because okay. I would imagine, as a music lover myself, um, I want to hear what Donna has to play. I want to hear her gifts in music. So where can people find your music? We'll start okay. there first. All right. Well, um, you know, I have a, we- a wonderful website that stays up to date all the time. W- it's very simple. www.donnafrost.com. Mm-hmm. I have a YouTube channel, which is Donna Frost 12 Strings. So I've got all kinds of videos up on that. Uh, that's the two best places, and uh, of course I'm, uh, you know, I'm on all the different social medias and all that, Facebook and Instagram and all that. But but if you go to my website, I've got videos and I've got audio and I've got articles and all kinds of stuff on there, and uh, and on YouTube I've got all kinds of music videos on there. 
uh, different things through the years, including that song from 1998 or <laughs> not from 2000, from 2000. Yeah, that video from 2000 <laughs> with the red hair. And then uh, and I've got gospel videos and I've got my Americana videos and I've got just little videos I've made at home. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can check everything out on any of those okay. you know, and see me. And and people can reach out to you um, through the website if they want. Yeah, you to. And, uh, sure. Okay. They uh, they can email me. This is easy. It's just like it sounds. Donna Frost twelve strings at gmail dot com, like twelve string guitar. Donna Frost twelve strings at gmail dot com. You can uh, email me, or you can send me a message on Facebook. I'm there. You can't miss me. I'm on Facebook. You can message me on there. Or on Instagram, you can. Uh, I, I'm I'm easy to find, and uh, so if anybody would like to book me, I'd because I I would just really I really after I re- this came out, and and I was thinking about all the Cumberland Presbyterian churches, and of course I've been over at St. Luke's a few times, and uh, but uh, I thought you know it would be fun just to go to just make a circuit and go visit the Cumberland churches and play music, and I know a lot of them are smaller and. And I don't hurt every everybody's wallet either. I'm affordable, and we we make note of that in the ad, you know, because uh, <laughs> a lot of times people charge a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, TJ, when people ask me what's my rate, I just say whatever you can do is fine with me because God takes care of me. I'm good. So uh, you know, whatever, whatever. Very, I don't say, well, I got to have you know thousands of dollars and uh, all this stuff now. Whatever you, whatever you want to do is good. Well, I'll keep that in mind. I have a birthday coming up. I have to. Cool. Oh, uh, when's your birthday? <laughs> it's when's in March. Bir- oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to ask you to play some folk music for me as we oh, were talking about off to. mic. <laughs> All right. Happy to. What What day is your birthday on? Uh, March the 17th. Oh, St. Patty's Day. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I have a fun question for you before right. we wrap up our conversation. All righty. And uh, have you ever been starstruck before? Yes. Yes. Can I share with you? Sure. Yeah, that's why I uh, asked. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I Yes, I have been starstruck. And I'll tell you the biggest starstruck that ever happened to me. Uh, we had a tornado that come through Hendersonville in 2005. And at the time, I'm a big fan of the Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees. Love, 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 love the Bee Gees. And I had a giant crush on Barry Gibbs since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know. So, uh, oh my. Anyway, uh, they had a benefit kind of, at the time. Barry Gibb had just bought Johnny Cash's house. And he was going to make a songwriter retreat. My dad played golf and was friends with Tommy Cash. Johnny's brother, who was a realtor who sold to Barry. So they were doing a concert in Hendersonville and Barry Gibb was going to perform. And my dad said, Tommy, if there's anything you can do to get Donna, she loves Barry Gibb. If you could get her backstage to meet him, that would mean so much to her. And uh, so Tommy set it up. I'm out there watching the show. Get a call on my phone, cell phone. Uh, you can come back now to meet Barry Gibb. And he's standing there with his sunglasses on the black leather jacket. And I just froze in my tracks and I couldn't move. And uh, 
he goes, hello, love. And I went, oh, my. Oh, you know, I went up to him and I started talking. I don't even remember what I said. I just started bad, 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 bad. Got a picture together. It was so funny. But for, I could not say a word for the first few minutes. I just stood there and they're like, you need to go up there. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Barry Gibb, you know. <laughs> that was that was crazy, you know, and, and I met, um, when I met, uh, Davy Jones of the monkeys, because I had a crush on him when I was a little girl and, uh, he was at cool Springs and Franklin signing a book. And, uh, the cool, the thing about Davy was like, now a lot of times when you got these book signings, they just want you to give them the book that they sign, and they don't want to sign your other stuff. Well, anybody could bring whatever they wanted. Hmm. And, he would not leave until every single person got to see him, you know. Wow. So when I come up there to him, I said, and I'm just like, what am I going to say? <laughs> and I said, I have loved you forever. <laughs> and he goes, I've loved you forever, too. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and he was so delightful. He was such a sweet man. I talked to him for, and he saw my stuff. We got a picture. He was just precious. So. But I mean, I get starstruck too. I mean, even though uh, I, I do, I'm in awe of people that are that are uh, that have had the big success and that I looked up to when I was a kid. If I met Joni Mitchell, I know I wouldn't say be able to say a word. I'd just be just like, <laughs> you know, I would I would just be dumbfounded. You know, I wouldn't know what to do. But but or if I met Paul McCartney, oh my goodness, oh dear, yeah, oh, man. oh well. I, I just I I am a big fan of everybody. My record collection, my CD collection, and the number of concerts I have been to in my lifetime are crazy. And I mean, I just, I love it. I love it. I love, I'm a big fan of everybody. You know, I just, there's so much great music that has come out through the years. And there's so much, you know, and I, I'm just a fan, you know. Yeah, we were, we were talking how music has the ability to be able to, not only transform you, but transport you in the way that other things cannot. And whether it's through an instrument or voice, which is also an instrument, Mm -hmm. these are gifts from God for the, the better betterment of the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, there's very few things that can transform and transport in the way that music can. That's right. That's right. There's nothing like it, you know. It's uh, it's very. It just does that. So. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I know something. I better mention while we're here. All right. And if you can, I know you'll be able to do your editing and whatever. But I got to talk about my 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 father for a few minutes. If yes. I might. Yeah, I was gonna let you lead on that discussion if you wanted to you could if you didn't yeah yes yes yeah 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 so explain to folks who he is and what and um yeah your relationship to him my dad well of course we're we're here in the house together since you know mama's been gone and uh my dad's don frost he um in fact this year is the 100th year of the frost family in gospel music his his dad and brothers were the original Frost Brothers Quartet. They started in 1924. And then uh, 
dad and mom and her sister Mary and dad's brothers Carl and Evan were the Frost Juniors. And then when Mama and Aunt Mary, when the when the Frost brothers went all male, dad and his brothers, and there have been Frost and Gospel ever since. And uh, dad, uh, they had their first album. Dad was traveling all the time. He'd always be bringing us back records and stuff from the, you know, and he he went to, they went to Canada and uh, I got to share some of this with you. I'm going to be talking forever. So, uh, <laughs> but this is, I have to cover this all. There's all a, right. lot to cover, a lot of information. So back in the sixties, we, uh, you know, dad and him were traveling all the time. And I remember when he got to the Quartet Convention in Memphis one year when he came back home, he brought me a copy of Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles. He brought me that back home, wow. brought my brother Andy back home, Axe as Bold as Love by Jimi Hendrix. And my little brother, Tony, was a little kid. He got a Bugs Buddy album. So, <laughs> But Dad would be bringing it. You know, my parents were cool. You know, they were, But uh, Dad was always traveling. We would go to those uh, all-night singings. Mama and us, we'd go with Dad and uh, we we got to sell me. Jake Hess used to carry me around backstage at the all night singing sometimes when I was a little girl, mm. and uh, so we grew up in this. And in the sixties, one thing that the, the Frost brothers uh, they weren't a full time group; they were part time. They worked their jobs, and obviously, when you're asking how you could do it, because they weren't touring full time, but they were still out singing and doing things. And so one year back, the picture this is back in the sixties when civil rights and things were. My dad, the Frost Brothers, were. we went to a municipal auditorium, and the Frost Brothers were the only white act on this uh, bill with uh, staple singers, Shirley Caesar, Five Blind Boys, and we went, you know, Pop Staples was very intrigued by my dad and his brothers, so he invited them to come to Chicago to be on a TV show called Jubilee, to perform at McCormick Place, for one, uh, and it was an all-black gospel show. The Frost Brothers were the only white group on there. And they did a TV show called Jubilee Showcase in Chicago. They were the only white group on that show, too, ever, ever. It's all up on YouTube. So they did. It was all groundbreaking stuff that nobody had done, you know, because we're talking like the mid-60s. So my, the Frost Brothers were doing that. They uh, were like some of the first to incorporate country gospel with the steel guitars and all that. And uh, and then in, in later years, my dad, uh, and they got the Frost Brothers back together, different combinations. They've sung through the years. Dad uh, started doing gospel TV shows, and for 25 years, he did a show called Music City Gospel Showcase, uh, presenting uh, people you never heard of and some legends. We had people like Bill Shaw and Roy McNeil, Skeeter, that were on the show, uh, and our conventions and all. And after my mama died, uh Dad got offered a television show called Don Frost Family and Friends, which is on the TCT network. The show out of 270 programs on TCT, his show is number nine right now. Wow. And TCT stands for, was it Tri? Christian Tri Television. Yeah, Tri-State Christian Television. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the hottest Christian network going. So he's had that for uh, since my mama died that summer. We started uh, with Don Frost Family and Friends, and uh, he's going strong. Like I said, the, the stroke last year, he was in the hospital for six, eight weeks. I can't even remember now. It's, it, it, we were in the hospital. He almost we almost lost him. Mm -hmm. He went into pneumonia 
after the first day or that we were gone in ER and put him and he's gone pneumonia, we had to put him on a ventilator. But he come out of all that. I remember just praying over him. And he said, and he wasn't responding for several days. He said he could hear me praying over him. Wow. Wow. And he wasn't responding. He said, I heard you praying for me. Mm. And, uh, but he came out of it. He's made a very wonderful recovery. They've been able to go film shows again and he's going strong. <laughs> and, uh, he'll be 88 June 7th. And wow. we're doing a big, we're doing a big show in his hometown of Eagleville where the Frost Brothers started to celebrate the hundred years in gospel music. And, uh, and then the Don Frost family and friends shows airs on Saturdays on TCT at three and it's on, a three central time. But I mean, he's, he's amazing. I mean, you think about here's this man, it's 80, uh, 87 and he's still, he's still out there and getting the word out. And he always says if, if, uh, He's been responsible for somebody going to heaven from what his work is. That's what it's all about. Putting Jesus first through gospel music. That's his motto. I like it. And the Frost family is celebrating 100 years June the 7th of 2024 Mm -hmm. over in Eagleville, Tennessee. Yeah, it's out on Main Street. They do this uh, thing uh, the first Friday of every month in Eagleville. And it's called First Fridays, and they have music. So we've gone every every year uh, with our with our caravan of uh, family and friends, and we get big crowds out there. There's hundreds of people out there with their lawn chairs, and it's out. They have food trucks, and it's really fun. Mm. It's a whole lot of fun. And uh, so we bring the gospel music out there, and they're there, you know. So. Uh, so I want to make sure I got all that in too. There's so much to talk about. And I'm just like, I got to be sure to get this in here. So. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. But dad and I, we, we, uh, uh, he's, you know, we, he and I are, have, uh, been through a lot together and, uh, and I'm thankful he's here and thankful he's still active and about, and I like see about my father's business, you know, here we go, you know, so. It sounds like the last four years have been trying Very. and challenging. So it's good yeah. to hear that 2024, um, you have intentional celebrations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it has been hard. And uh, people, you know, I know sometimes, uh, and I tell people, my faith got me through. It's like, how do you stand all this and, and, uh, that you've been through? And it's like, well, I always say God doesn't put more on you than you can stand. But sometimes you're like, <laughs> wonder how much can you? But I have learned, I have learned in the last four years how much I really can stand because I've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. It has not weakened me. It has not deterred my faith. It's made me stronger, 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 stronger. Uh, so it's, uh, well, you know, and so I praise God for bringing me through the, through the darkness and getting me into the light. And, uh, I have a song about that out of the darkness into the marvelous light, you know, just how he pulled me through and, uh, and pull, pull people through. Oh, I've got, I've got another story for you. Okay. Let's hear it. You know, but. Uh, this is one, this is a road one. This is a, 
uh, about the, the West Virginia mountaintop experience. Where you feel the presence of God, because this was scary. I'm driving from uh, Virginia. I had some gigs in West Virginia, and I made a wrong turn. A GPS had took me down a detour, but it shouldn't have. In fact, I should have known better when it said no large trucks on this road. <laughs> I'm driving. The road is getting narrower and more rockier, and the number of houses are getting less and less and less, and it's saying one mile to this, and it's telling me this, and I'm like, this isn't right. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm in this mountain mm. with no paved road. How it didn't tear up the rental car I was in is a miracle because it's rocks and mud and a Jeep and a four-wheeler is more appropriate for these things. And I'm thought, there's nowhere to turn around. Nowhere to turn around because you're up on this, going up this mountain in the Jeep. I'm like, what? And I'm praying, and all of a sudden, my cell phone has lost the signal. Oh. The gas gauge is dropping. The transmission's overheating. And I'm praying, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm praying to God, and I'm getting myself ready because I'm like, this is it. Hmm. I'm not coming back. There's, th th this is it. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is not going to end well. I'm praying, and I'm praying. And I'm praying to God and I'm praying and I'm and I'm worried about my mom and dad, most of all, just like, will anybody find me? Am I going to get out of here? How long is it going to take for anybody to find me? You know, all these things are going through my mind. And I want you to know, and I'm going to be while I'm just, I can't stop driving because there's nowhere to go. Mm. And I'm praying all of a sudden. There is an opening in this mountaintop. In this mountain where I can turn the car around and go back down. I turn the car around. I go back down. How I got all of a sudden when I get back on the road, there's a house on the left hand side of the road I didn't see before. And these little angels in that house, I rolled down my window and I'm like, I'm, I, I was on my way to play a show. I was up all this habit. I'm on my way to play a show. <laughs> wow. I'm late for the show because I'm in here and I can't call it. Yeah. And they said, you come in and use our phone and we're going to direct you to a gas station. You can follow us and get back. And we're going to get you back on the right road to get to where you're going. So they, I go in the house with them and, uh, and go and use the phone. They take me to the gas station. I try to offer this lady money for helping me, and she wouldn't take it. She said, I want to tell you something. My mother's name was Donna, and she passed away a few months ago, and I wanted to help you. And they were, that was something. But, I mean, that was God. I said, you know, God saved me on that man. He heard my prayer. And I was scared to death. I mean, I thought, this is it. I mean, you got just picture it. You're up here. With, it's not a road, folks. It's it's a mountain. It's grass and mud and rocks and sticks and not fit for a regular car to drive on. I don't know how I got up it. I don't know how I got down it with that. <laughs> I do not know. And I had made a note here to make sure to tell you about my meaningful experience with God, the mountaintop in West Virginia, because uh, that, that that was God. That was God. God got me out of there. No other way. And you met lovely people willing to help. Um, trying to help. I did. It was just like, I'll never 
never forget them, you know, <laughs> ever. That was something. Donna, it has been a pleasure meeting you today. It really oh, has. Been, oh, I love being with you, TJ. I thoroughly enjoyed this so much, and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, walking me through the life of a musician and how music is powerful and how it has influenced your faith and to hear your journey as a Christian who is Cumberland Presbyterian and how the all of that complements and helps make who Donna is. So it's been a joy to get to know you. Thank you. It's been a joy to get to know you too. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this faith conversation on Cumberland Road. If you are interested in meeting Donna Frost and hearing her music or having her perform at your church or celebration, check out DonnaFrost.com. You can find her on almost every social media medium and find her music on Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube. About three months ago, Donna wrote a song entitled it's my truth. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I do want to share some of the lyrics. I've been up and down and all around. I've been to heaven and I've been to hell. I'm not rich and I'm not famous, but I have a lot of stories to tell and I know I know it's not over. I've got more work to do. Thanks for listening.